Welcome to the podcast, The John Papaloni Show, episode 69. Today, we are interviewing Marissa Lonick. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's I, I've been excited about this one. It's a little different than what I'm normally into because lately I've been into the uh, whole real estate thing. I've been trying to introduce different things because the podcast is not just real estate, but entrepreneurship and leadership. So I thought I wanted to change it up and it's perfect timing for this. Yes. All right. Let's do it. Wonderful. You are the founder of Mama Work It, right? I am. Yes. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your uh, past and how you came about to start this adventure? Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess this all really started back in 2016. I was a corporate employee. I was in corporate leadership uh, and I was offered a job promotion. So I'm a native New Yorker from the East Coast. And this promotion would have meant to move to the West Coast, totally cross country, new role, challenging role, you know, new commute, new environment, all of it. And I'm an ambitious woman. So I was excited at first, you know, flattered, intrigued, all of it. I was ready. And then fear struck me, right? I was already living sort of this overwhelming life, what felt like. I was a newer mom. I was a wife. We just moved into a new house. And I was still kind of juggling all the things and feeling kind of like, there was no time left in the day for me. And so the thought of taking on this new opportunity across country in a new environment where I didn't know anyone, again, all these new challenges, I was scared. And so initially I was like, all right, no, I'm not going to take the opportunity. And then I felt terrible. I was totally filled with regret. And the following you know, Monday, I called my boss and I'm like, please reconsider me. I really want to do this. And we did. So my family and I moved cross country. Um, and what I learned in that experience is that it wasn't harder. It was different, right? Your time management just has to shift. You have to do things a little bit differently, but you can make it work. And it ended up working really, really well. So much so to the point where I'd get these questions all the time, like, how do you have time to do that? How do you find the time for this? And I had started this blog for working moms because I thought this would be a great platform to help the audience. Um, so I did that. And then from there, I started Mama Work It, where, you know, I, I wrote a book, I offer courses, I do coaching now. And that's kind of how the journey began. Oh, okay. So you even have a book. I do. I have two. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, why don't you describe it? What are those books about? And what, like, what was the inspiration behind the books? Like, why? I know you start off with a blog. So obviously, you're into writing. I am. Yeah. So the first book I published is called Time Management, How to Get the Time You Need to Do the Things You Want. It is just like what you would imagine it is. It's really like a, a coaching guide if you are a working mom on how to manage your time effectively when you feel like it's pretty challenging. You know, you're raising young kids, you're trying to thrive in your career. Maybe you're married, maybe you're not, you know, and you're working on your relationship. So it's all those things, sort of a culmination of tips life hacks, mindset shifts, practical things you can do in your life. And then my second book is Word to Your Mother, A Mama's Guide to Journal Today and Slay Tomorrow. And that is more of a manual, I'd say. It's a daily ritual exercise that you do uh, each evening to really prep for your next day and reflect on the current day. Wow. Okay. That's pretty awesome. 
So what was the inspiration in the books? Like, why did you want, like, did you want to write the books? Did it just happen? Is- well, I think, you know, as you said, I really like writing. So I was blogging regularly. You know, I enjoyed that. It was a creative outlet for me. And I saw that it was really helping a lot of people. So, you know, internally, I had the the next step, the goal for me would be to become a published author and really, you know, have that uh, be something that I could accomplish, yet also be able to reach a wider audience with a more, you know, succinct culmination, like bigger ability. Right, right. So, yeah, which brings up the other point. Um, You could have stuck in the whole corporate nine to five. What was the burning desire to do something different? Yeah, I love this question. Uh, I managed my business as a side hustle for three years. So I didn't initially exit the corporate environment. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that, right? They start, they kind of dip their toe in it. And then, you know, either once the money reaches a certain level or once, I don't know, the burnout reaches a certain level or whatever it is. For me, it was neither. For me, it was it was an internal intuitive nudge that wouldn't go away. It was, you know, a feeling of, hey, you've done this now for a while. You're good at it. You can manage two things, but it's not your thing anymore. It's time. It's time to go full force. So that was really the the turning point for me to leave leave the corporate world, which I didn't hate. I didn't, I wasn't mad at, like I wasn't one of those disgruntled employees that just like wanted to be like, screw this, I'm out, I'm doing my own thing. I just knew it was time for me to to go a different direction. Right. See, that's like, it's that burning desire. You're not doing it. You're not doing it because like you said, you're not, you got bashed or you felt yeah. negative or unappreciated. Not it's like all. you got this feeling like you can't breathe if you don't do it. Yeah, it, so, it it would never go away. Like, and it, it hit me actually, I don't write about this on my website. I do in my book, but you know, it wasn't my first rodeo in the entrepreneurial world. I, I did another business years before that. It didn't take off. I mean, it did okay, but you know, I lost the passion for it. So I let it go. But I think it's it's an innate feeling for many of us that are entrepreneurs is you can't shake it no matter what you do. Look, I tried to shake it that one time. I thought, all right, this isn't my thing anymore. I've lost interest. And then I'm back again. You know, like at some point it's going to find you and it's going to, it's going to take you back. Absolutely. So you're not even afraid of pivoting when things change and making different directions if you had to. Oh no, not at all. And I think the pandemic taught people that too. Yeah, that's true. Which, yeah. Okay. So you, that's right. You said you did this for uh, three years before you jumped off the ladder. What year was that where you jumped off? Uh, This year, 2021. (laughs) <laughs> right. So it wasn't even when the pandemic started. It was like, no, after. no, no, no. I actually, you know, I'm one of those weird people that isn't like mad at the pandemic. Like I, I looked at the pandemic as of course it was, you know, it was terrible for many people, you know, not only from a, a physical standpoint of getting sick or losing a loved one, uh, maybe even businesses that couldn't sustain the pandemic. So many restaurants and things had to close down. From a personal standpoint, you know, the pandemic was a really a breath of fresh air in the sense that it was a moment to stop the nine to five grind of the commute 
of the, you know, the rat race of all the things that we're doing on autopilot per se, all those routines and actually have a, a few like minutes of white space to think and to really reflect on things. And I know a lot of people in my circle in my life, you know, took that as an opportunity to really do that as well. I know a lot of people that have started businesses during the pandemic. I know a lot of people who've made these major life shifts. Um, you know, I didn't do it early on in the pandemic. I actually used the pandemic as a means to help others who were really struggling with this all of a sudden new normal. A lot of working parents had a hard time during the pandemic managing work, whether that be entrepreneurial work or, you know, working for their employer. And now the added 25 responsibilities of childcare and homeschool and cooking every meal and all the things that they weren't used to normally doing, right? The pressure was already hard before, and now it was just magnified, you know, times a thousand. So I used it to my advantage in that sense of like, I have a great platform I can help people with. I'm I'm actually doing okay in this right now. I'm not going to say the days weren't hard. Some days were, but I developed a course during that time. It helped people in over 60 countries to work from home and manage this pandemic lifestyle at the moment. And it was, it was a really wonderful opportunity to reach so many and, and support them. That is awesome. See I, that like, wow, that is amazing. Like, like this gave you opportunity to work on something that, you would have otherwise had trouble doing it. Yeah. I mean, not only from a time perspective, but also just from like an experience perspective, I would have never had that opportunity or experience to do and juggle those things and to help others do the same. Right. Of course, which is great. So what would you say was your biggest struggle? Oh, like my biggest pandemic struggle. Oh, just in general. Oh, in general. Okay. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, You'd think it would be the answer would be something really concrete, like, like finding the time to work on your business or like being able to juggle uh, corporate leadership and parenthood and entrepreneurship. But it actually that's that's not I think the biggest struggle is the mental resilience that you really need to um, that you really need to develop and flex and work on in any entrepreneurship journey because it is never linear <laughs> it is a constant roller coaster whether that be you know the figures on paper the numbers on paper but also like the emotional imbalance you know like i was talking to my husband the other day and he's a former entrepreneur and i said god did you experience just like this constant emotional roller coaster when you were running your business because i feel like one day i am on my game loving life, like feeling so good and confident. And the next I'm like, what am I even doing? What is even happening here? Yeah. I, I hear that. Like there's many times in this journey that, um, you wake up and you say, what am I doing? I wonder if my job will take me back. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> I haven't had that question yet, but yes, I can imagine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, like th then you get up and you know, like out the door you go. And you're on your phone calls. And then like, sometimes you're talking to the person you're talking to yesterday. You're like, I thought you were quitting. Yeah. Yeah. I quit last night. And this morning I'm going back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know oh, I mean? like, for sure. It's like, you have moments where you just, I, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Moments where you just, you, you know, you think you're nuts for doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's other moments that you get fulfillment that you could have never gotten. Just going through a role of, for lack of a better 
description being a yes man, right? Just, mm-hmm. you know, do this, do this. Yes, 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 yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. <laughs> that comes, you can do your job and be happy with doing your job. But I find when you're doing something with purpose, which is usually what you're doing as that entrepreneur, you get a new level of fulfillment that you would never get the other way. Yeah. And I think you learn to appreciate that, those ups and downs, right? If you wanted a more straightforward, predictable lifestyle, you wouldn't be in this role. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because it's not cut for everybody. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong for those who like the nine to five not or at all. eight to four or whatever it is. Yeah, nothing wrong no, with that. Not at all. I mean, it's what makes the world go round. We all can't be doing the same thing. That's true. That's true. I think this is, you know, a lot of big experts will talk about it can be done. Anybody can do it. And I think that's true because not everybody will do it. So that being said, the ones that really apply themselves are the ones that get the opportunities. Yeah. That's the resilience. You know, that's what you need. You need to be able to pick yourself up when you have a rough day and keep going, not because you're scared you're going to lose your job, right? Like if you're working for someone else, because you were called to do this. This is, this is your calling. Exactly. Now, which brings up another point. So you moved for the opportunity. Now, I my, did. Yeah. So my yeah. question is, rewind back to when you had the option to move. Are you happy like where you are or would you have stayed where you were knowing what you know now? No, I would have done it all over again. The same thing. Yeah. I think every step is, you know, an important step in the direction you're meant to go. I'm I'm a firm believer in that. So I don't think there are mistakes. I think everything in life is a lesson or, you know, feedback. Uh, Somebody recently told me it's not failure, it's feedback. Yes. And I think that's like the perfect way to look at things, you know? So it's not that you did that wrong. It's, it didn't go as planned. And now, you know, you fall apart. It's okay. You did that this way and that didn't work. So now we're going to do it this way. Or we listen to the results and we use that to our advantage. Absolutely. So now describe to us how your typical day looks. Ooh, how my typical day looks. Okay. Well, Something that I think is very crucial and important if you want to get the most out of your day, and this goes for anybody, whether you're a morning person or not, is you need a morning routine. So this is going to look different uh, for different people. I have a whole podcast episode about like my top best 10 things you can do in the morning. You don't have to do all 10, but um, some simple rituals, some simple routines that you do every morning are really, really important for setting your day up for success. Uh, A couple quick things you could easily implement. Drink a glass of water as soon as you get up. So drink a glass of water before you caffeinate if you drink coffee. This is really, really important. You wake up already dehydrated, then you drink caffeine, which dehydrates you more. Drinking a glass of water is like a game changer. And I know that sounds so silly, but it will it will change your day, honestly. Um, if you are into working out, I would highly recommend working out in the morning. I know some people listening might be like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. But trust me when I say I've read a lot of books on this. I practice what I preach. I mostly, when I work out, it's in the morning. I wake up before my children. So if you're a parent, 
do this. Wake up before your kids. I know this can be very early, but it is really, really important because the things you put first are the things you get done. So prioritize a morning routine. Um, that's something that I do each and every day. Um, my life now is quite different than it was when I was commuting and leaving the house, you know, on a regular basis, but I do that. Then I'm fully focused on getting out the door with my kids and getting them to their programs and schools and things like that. Then I come home and I know this is my optimal, like creative and peak time to be productive. So those are the hours that I dedicate to work. I ensure that I hydrate. I ensure that I take regular breaks. I ensure that, you know, most days I'm not just in front of a screen, not speaking to a single human being, because I think connection is very, very important and keeps us going as well. And yeah, toward the end of the afternoon, I'm back at it with, you know, picking up kids and family time and things like that. Uh, I do then, you know, some prep work with regards to dinner and evening stuff. And um, I wasn't always into, I wasn't always into like quieting my mind and meditation and prayer and things like that. But I have developed that as part of my routine as well. So I like to do that part in the evenings and think ahead for the, the next day. So in a nutshell, high level, that's kind of like what a day looks like for me. Well, that's pretty good. Like, how do you quiet your, uh, you said, you said you quiet your mind and all that. And how do you do that? Like, what is your typical routine? You know, I don't have a, an exact routine for that because I like to do different things on different days. And I just kind of let my energy lead the way for it. But I would say, find what feels good for you. So something that I recently came across uh, this past year was breath work. Breath work is, you know, even five to 10 minutes, and it's just focused breathing on different things. Uh, and it can really, it can, you know, just really give you some quiet space and let you focus on that and nothing else. Uh, I am not the best meditator, I'll be honest. So I'm not going to give you any advice on that, but you can find meditations pretty much anywhere. Google it, right? YouTube, anywhere like that. If you're a spiritual person, maybe that's prayer. Uh, so it really depends, you know, it's, it's, what's for you. Maybe you like to journal. I mean, I think anything that you're doing that is just sort of taking you out of the daily grind for even just a few minutes a day, maybe it's even just a, a gratitude exercise you like to do whatever works. That's true. Yeah. Like, see, I, I think gratitude is important. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, I find that, um, if the more you think about what you're grateful for, the less you're worried about what you don't have which therefore you kind of keep in that positive state as much as you can. But it's like you said in the beginning, this is all a roller coaster. Can't possibly be, uh, you know, silly happy every hour of every day. <laughs> no, no. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, having a positive mindset doesn't mean you're positive all the time. You know, you can feel the feels. You can feel some days like it's just an off day for you or even just a few minutes here and there that, you know, you're just in a funk. And I think that's normal. You know, I, I'm not somebody that's happy 24 seven. I'll tell you that. Like I got four little kids too. They test my patience. So, you know, I'm, I'm on these like levels at different times of day too. And so totally, you know, when it comes to time management though, and that's what I, I focus on with, uh, with my business. And I think for entrepreneurs too, it's really, really important. This isn't just spreadsheets and organization tools and 
systems and things like that. You know, for me and how I like to teach it, it's quite different. It's it's inner work and it's outer work, right? It's the hustle and the discipline, but it's also feeling good because when you don't feel good, you can't do good. You can't be productive. You can't be in a positive mindset. You can't attract the abundance, the clients, all the things that you're looking to do. So if you haven't taken care of yourself and done that work and done it regularly, um, you're not going to be able to, to really like slay like you want to. Right. See, now correct me if I'm wrong. This is the way I see time management. I, I see it similar to the gym. And, and the way that I see that is you can't, like everyone is either going on a diet or they're going to work out to get to something. And then, you know, even when they start getting progress, they always revert back. Mm. And the reason I think that is, is not because they're lazy. It's not because it's too hard. What happens is you're creating a category of why to do it when you really should be transforming your life and making that a priority and a part of your lifestyle. Yes. It's a lifestyle. Absolutely. That's a great example. Okay. Makes sense. That's, that's the way I understood it. So we're on the same page there. Yeah. That's awesome. So now how does somebody work with you? Like describe the process and breakdown on how it starts. Like I'm sure there's obviously going to be a, um, not an informative call, but what's the word? Is it informative or a, um, well, you know, an initial meet when people initial talk, you know, yeah. to see if it's uh, a fit. It's cause... a good fit. Yeah. So that is the best way if you want to get to know me and see if, you know, working together makes sense for you is to schedule. I call them breakthrough calls because I think they are. Uh, I like to spend 45 minutes uh, with, you know, potential new clients get to know you, get to know your situation, what your goals are when it comes to carving out the time to make those happen. And then, you know, for those 45 minutes, we even strategize a bit on, you know, what we can do together to help you. Is that one-on-one -on -one coaching? Is that a course or program that I have available? Is it is it starting out reading one of the books or practicing the, the journal uh, planner exercise daily. So it really is unique to each person and kind of where they are in their journey. And that 45 minute breakthrough call, I think is the best way for us to strategize and learn uh, where we need to get you. Makes total sense. And okay. So yeah. So once, yeah, you, you laid it out there. That's pretty good. And how did you like, out of all the options, why did you choose this path? Like what was, what was the calling? Like what made, like, is, was this a natural talent or was it something you learned and developed? Was it something that you had struggled with and found a solution out of it and then said, Hey, I can do this. Like, how did this come about? Cause there's no. a lot of industries, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think all of the above to a degree. So in some ways, yeah, I like, I like strategy and planning. Like those are skill sets that I enjoy. Uh, when I started my career many years ago, I was actually a teacher. And while I love to teach and I love, you know, being in front of the classroom and, and helping people learn, I also really liked lesson planning and like planning ahead and strategizing what my semester was going to look like and things like that. So that is a talent that I have and that I feel like I can support and help people with and teach them. But also there were personal struggles in this as well, you know, especially uh, entering the season of parenthood in my life where all of a sudden I became this very like, not that I was selfish before, but I became this very selfless person who forgot 
about things that made me happy and that, you know, that was in a core component and a core ingredient into having a really balanced and, and great life and being able to be the best mom, the best wife, the best entrepreneur or employee out there and the best version of myself. And I needed to be able to prioritize and incorporate those things, you know, in this new lifestyle that I was living. So it's a, it's a combination of both, I'd say. Makes sense. Now, I would, I would assume based on uh, the title Mama Work It, I would assume that most of your clientele are uh, mothers. A lot of my clients are moms, yes. But actually, I do also work with organizations, with other companies where uh, I work with working parents in general, moms and dads. So, um, yeah, so I, I work with both. That makes sense. Now, how did you start attracting clients? I mean, obviously, you get the idea. You build your foundation of what you want. You set yourself up. And now you're all ready to go. So you're ready to go. Obviously, you don't click a button and say, I'm ready to go. The phone starts ringing and says, hey, I'm in business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I put myself out there. So I, I got over the fear. I got very vulnerable in the sense, right? And I like shouted from the social media rooftops that like, hey, this is it. This exists. And this is available to you. And this is what I'm doing now and focused on. So that was one. Um, obviously, I show up consistently on my platforms, where that be like my weekly newsletter that I send to all my subscribers uh, on social media regularly. I, I'm consistent, right? I, I want to earn that trust with my potential clients that I'm here, I'm available. I'm also living a life very similar to you. I'm in it with you. I know the struggles that you have. So, you know, sharing that authentically is really, really crucial and important, I think. Absolutely. So would you say that, um, like that social media was your main boost? I would say it's, it's the most visibility in a sense, right? Because it's sort of, um, it's the platform where a lot of my market hangs out. So I utilize that, you know, in that sense, but I think there's an intimacy involved in email marketing. You know, I think that when you are, a subscriber and that's a free thing, but you still are trusting someone with your email address, you know, and um, you have things delivered straight to your inbox. You're not actively searching. You're not, it's not luck of the draw, whether you're coming up or not in the social feed or on the stories or wherever you're looking, it's actually coming straight to you. You can personalize those messages. You can put people's first names in there. You can really speak to the audience in a more intimate and profound way. And I, again, I like to write. So this is a, an area that I like to utilize a lot too. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> now, what do you, like, I'm assuming at this point in time, you're starting to get referrals as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a few years. So that's definitely happening. And I think those are the best the best way to really gain credibility super quickly because people are learning about you through a trusted resource already. Yeah, exactly. See, and the reason I keep going in circles with all this is I did it on purpose and because you're bringing out one word that I like to emphasize, which is the trust. Yes. Right. Trust and community. Those mm -hmm. two things in any business end up being the number one factor. Everything else you do is just a tool to build that. Absolutely. And you know, not many people just want to hand over their money to someone they don't trust, right? Think about it. Like money is a really like important thing to people. And um, 
if people don't trust that you can get them the result they want, they're way less likely to just say, oh, here, take my money and, you know, hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Now, what, do you, what are your thoughts on video content? Do you do video a lot? So I have a podcast uh, that I record video and audio for. Up until now, I launched it in January. So it's you know, on the newer side still. Up until now, I've only released the audio content, but I do plan to, to start releasing the video because I actually did a poll recently on one of my social channels. And like, I was surprised how many people said they would want to watch the video. I'm typically listening to podcasts while I'm, you know, cooking dinner or folding laundry or like multitasking something or like walking around the neighborhood. So for me, I don't watch a lot of these, but a part of the audience does. So I think it's, you know, it's why not? Absolutely. This is the thing, right? Even this is my own discovery is that a lot of uh, right now we're in an era where, you know, video is king. Like mm. video is because a lot of times people play things through video, they'll watch what they want to watch and they'll still walk away and, you know, do cooking or whatever while the video is playing in the background. But I do believe that's the end now, but I also believe there's a time limit on it. I think the next level is going to be audio, which is why podcasts were big when people were at work, because mm -hmm. not everybody wants to listen to the same radio station with the same songs over and over and over. Sure. So what st people started doing, especially now they have Bluetooth in the car, is playing podcasts on the drive there and on the drive back. So what ended up happening is when the pandemic hit and everyone was staying home, right. all of a sudden that routine has been broken. It has. Yes. Yeah. So in the beginning, the audio, you know, statistics started going down, but the video started going up. Now, I think, like I said, I think the video is the hot spot now, but look, we have Alexa, uh, we have Google and we have Apple's version. So how much longer till we even stop looking at screens and we start going, Hey, Alexa, whatever, you know, <laughs> I have Alexa. a little visitor. <laughs> That's awesome. But I mean, where I'm going is how, how much longer do we have before it starts going, hey, Alexa, you know, get me an oil change, book an oil change. Hey, Alexa, turn on whatever. Right. At that point in time, I think we'll make the crossover from video to audio. Yeah, I think so. I think as we get back into those routines, too, like you said, like it's it's the default being able to listen while you're commuting, while you're, you know, sitting at your desk, focused on <laughs> Let me get my little visitor out of here. <laughs> Sorry. That's well, okay. Well, there you have it. <laughs> this working is working from home, from home guys. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so I'm in agreement with you on that. I also think video from the perspective of like this, what the social channels have now with reels and TikTok and things like that, like those are the way people are, you know, spending their time on social media. Now they're watching those little tidbits, which I have had a lot of fun making reels. I think they're fun. I've done it a couple of times. I just sort of the, I'm not sure. It's one of those things that it's, I don't see the difference between IGTV and a reel. I mean, mm -hmm. you can do more funky stuff with a reel, but it's not something I would do anyways. Right. 
So, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you're like the whole, you know, tapping the uh, camera and then coming up with a different, uh, you know, set of clothes, you know, doing your dancing or whatever. And you know what I mean? Like if you're into that stuff, then the reels are great. But I do the same thing with the reels that I do with everything else, which is my daily quotes, my, you know what I mean? Like my information, informational setting, you know, sayings and whatever, like it's all the same for me. Yeah, I use it in uh, reels because it just gets more views. Let's just be honest. Yeah, it does. Right? But, it does. But the content for me is the same. It's all about the content. But I'm not the type. I'm not going to hit the camera just to change a shirt. And <laughs> 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 well, it's not for. I feel like it's not for every every market. You know what I mean? Like it works great for some things. Like it is interesting to watch as a consumer. But if it's not getting your your message across in an, a better way, then why bother? That's true. And that's the other thing I was going to say in terms of video, like, like I would say maybe even as much as five years ago, people would do like not webinars, but it'd be slideshows and stuff, right? Like you, you download these things and learn by reading PDFs or, you know, PowerPoint presentations these days. Well, you know, a lot of kids are going to look at that PowerPoint. What's that? Right mm. now I find the new webinars, you have someone speaking to it. So it's almost like you get the audio. Plus, mm-hmm. you get to see what they're what they're going through, so I think that's more popular now than just getting some PDF to read over yourself. Oh yeah, I think the more like interactive, dynamic you can make those type of virtual virtual presentations, you know, is best. And I think we've all had to in the past year. If you were used to doing in person speaking engagements, you've really had to pivot and use your voice in a different capacity, right? And if you're doing them on Zoom now, like get the chat box going, get the interaction going, however you can use those breakout rooms. Otherwise, it's just another another kind of conference call, right? That can get kind of boring. Well, exactly. See, everything, all this is about, everything virtual is about engagement. And if mm-hmm. people aren't interacting with each other, it's kind of pointless. Right. Right. It's all about interacting with each other. Likes and shares won't pay a mortgage, but interested people will definitely trust you and reach yeah. out. Yeah, for so, sure. For sure. Now, you, since, you know, we're talking pre-pandemic, have you done speaking gigs? Is that something that uh, was in your interest or is it something that sort of the, if it comes up, if it doesn't, doesn't matter? What no, are your thoughts? I love, love, love doing speaking gigs. So obviously a lot of them have been more virtual in the past, you know, year and a half, but I've definitely done, done live ones prior to that. And I'm looking forward to getting back to some live ones soon. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, it's something I want to break into as well. I've done a few in my past business. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into real estate. Now it's been, oh God, almost six years. Wow. The time flies. But yeah, since I got into real estate, I haven't done it, mm-hmm. but I've done it before. I really like it. And now since I'm starting my second business, it's going to probably have more speaking as a result, which is great. I love it are myself. You, are you sharing that second business? What is it? It's coaching. I'm going to get oh. more in coaching. Um, I'm good at getting attention. Yeah. So I want to help other people get the attention they need and teach yeah. them what to do. The speaking big gigs are great for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, as you can tell, I'm not afraid of video. I'm not afraid of audio. I'm not afraid of, you know, getting out there. Like, I, I just think that things have just changed on. It's not what works. It's how you do it. That's changed. Yeah. Right. Like back in the day, billboard, you get attention. People see your billboard. They remember it. Mm-hmm. Today, people are driving and it's like, okay, it's blocking my view. Can somebody move <laughs> it? 
You know, <laughs> now it's a commercial on your podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? And it's even the podcast itself, seeing your face daily, seeing it constantly, mm -hmm. right? Hearing what you have to say. So it's all about providing value, right? Like the message has changed, right? Like I would even say as much as much as 10 years ago, the message was simple. Buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. And that was enough. 50% mm -hmm. off. Got you a lineup outside the door. Right. Right. Today is 50% off. It's like, of what? And then you, and then you say it, uh, my new watch. Why would I need that? Mm. Um, because you can tell time Well, my phone will show you, show the time. Yes. But this one here has different alerts and you can't always carry your phone and you get the excuse and you're like, okay, well, what else do I need to know? Do you have any more information? By the time you get there, you're an hour later, even if you give them the right information, they're not interested because mm. it just takes too long of a process because the message is wrong. People have to see the value before they want to know about it. The result. They yeah. want to see the result. Yeah. The what's in it for them. Absolutely. Right. And as long as you can provide that value, they'll inquire themselves and then that gets to the next level. But you got to provide the value, which is the whole point of content. The whole point of content isn't to spread that buy, buy, buy message. It's to provide the value so they'll want to know more if it applies to them. It also works on a double benefit because if it does not apply to them, you weed them out. No point in paying, you know, ad dollars to get people who are not interested to call to ask questions because yeah. they're not interested, but they're calling you because they don't know. Yeah. So if you provide you're... value, you, you know, by providing proper content, provide education, you're getting qualified buyers. Right. And your time is really valuable. You know, I think people forget that time is money, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> So now let me ask you something. You've been in the business now. You said you, three years before you quit. So what? You're on four years now. Yeah, I'm. I'm approaching four years. Yeah. What was your biggest achievement, or like, like if you were to have one thing, and hold it up as a plaque or award, and it would talk about the happiest moment, what would that be? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's. There's a lot that are coming to mind, but um, I guess I'll say one that stands out a lot is when I published my first book, it hit a uh, number one new release in multiple categories on Amazon. And that was pretty awesome. Like that was, that was pretty cool. It was beating out even some like pretty well-known names in, uh, in parenting books and categories. And I was, I was really proud of that moment. So that was a good one. Definitely. That, that is something exciting. Yeah. Okay. So now other question I'm going to have is obviously every business has, you know, retention and turnarounds. What would, what is your average, you know, return around and uh, retain? Like how does your program work? How long is it? Like, for example, when I start my coaching, it's going to like typically the group coaching is going to be month to month and people can sign up to that. Um, and then they just can come and go with, you know, within 30 days. Mm -hmm. But my group coaching, I'm going to start off with a, a minimum commitment of six months because you can't really get much done in less than six months, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but obviously at six months, there's an option to renew. So I was going to say, how does your coaching program work? And what do you find in terms of renewal rates? 
Yeah. So I have a few different offers right now with regards to coaching. So obviously if you've worked with a coach before, you know, the value in a bit of longevity there, you know, so I do have a package that starts at four sessions. Uh, those can be done. My recommendation is in a matter of four to eight weeks, depending kind of how fast you want to work, right? Some people have the ability to dedicate every week a coaching session and they're ready to go. They're ready to like get things done right away. Some people want a little bit more of a gap in between those sessions. So we spread them out a little bit more, but the consistency is crucial. So that's one option. And people do tend to renew on those. Um, or people feel like after the month they got what they needed and they're ready to kind of do their own thing for a while. Then I have um, an evergreen on-demand program that is also four weeks. It's fairly intensive. Uh, it's a course, but done in a coaching style with videos and things like that with daily daily prompts that keep people focused and engaged because I think a lot of people start programs. I know I've been guilty of this in the past. You start programs, you're really motivated, you're really excited. And then, you know, week two, week three, you lose a little bit of that luster and you fall off, right? That was a big thing that I wanted to avoid in developing this program because I feel like then what happens at the end, you don't, you don't get the results you want. You feel crappy. You invested your money and you're like less likely to give a great review. So that's not the outcome I want. I don't want you to have a bad experience. I want you to get everything that you signed up for and more. And I would love a stellar review. So I have uh, incorporated that with daily check-ins. Like I send you something to your inbox every single day while you're on that program so that you are reminded while you're here, you get a tip, you get an additional tool, piece of feedback, and some accountability while you're doing it. Um, I know your question was about retention. I do think sometimes for my market, it's, it's challenging to commit to a longer term from the get-go. So I also offer like this thing called a time management deep dive, which is a three-day personal self-assessment followed by a one-on-one -on -one call. And that often triggers people to want to invest more, but it's it's helpful in the beginning because people don't necessarily want to commit to a long-term um, time commitment when they feel like they have no time to begin with. So it's a great like level, kind of entry-level opportunity to come in the door. Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. Nothing is 100% in this world, right? Because sometimes life happens. Let's just say it that way life yeah. happens um and on top of that just from my own experiences from dealing with people and stuff a lot of times what ends up happening is people want the help when they approach but they're not willing to do the work yes yes right and, and that's how coaching works and <laughs> you gotta exactly. do the work <laughs> and every group that you're gonna get is gonna have a percentage of those then about halfway through it's not working and people are lacking patience these days. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, instant gratification. That is a total, a total thing happening in the culture. And, you know, that's why I think also like offering tastes of, of longer term programs initially is so great because people can see that there are quick, easy, small steps, small shifts they can take to get major results. Imagine if they worked with you longer term, how much better things could be. Exactly. Now, how do you handle objections? Like I'm sure like every business gets this, 
that when you start talking to somebody, they're excited, confused, um, unsure. Uh, what are some of the objections you have gotten and how did you handle them? Well, I think you got to get ahead of them in a way. Um, personally, I know when I've been on the consumer end, when I have felt like the, the person speaking to me, the person selling to me has either been in my shoes, experienced what I'm experiencing, or like is basically in my head, knows what I'm thinking. I'm like, wow, this must be it right? This must be who I need to work with right now. This must be who I need to invest with right now. So I think really, really putting yourself in that person's shoes and being able to speak those words potentially before they even speak them um, gets you credibility like right there, right? And it helps them know that you understand them at a level that they might not even understand themselves. Right. Makes sense. Now, let me ask you something. What would you say to someone who's um, working the nine to five, wants to get into the entrepreneurial journey? They have an idea. They're not a hundred percent. Well, everyone who has an idea is a hundred percent sure it's going to work until they do it. But there's always that hesitation, right? So they're in that spot where like, I got a great idea. I got to do it. But there's the, he- the hesitation, as I said, what would you recommend to them? Like in two ways. Would you recommend that they keep the nine to five while they're building a night, jump from the nine to five and go all in? And the second thing is what steps would you recommend they take regardless of, you know, once they pick whether they're all in or nine to five, you know, or work five at midnight, should I say? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say you need to trust your intuition on it. You know, if, if your intuition is telling you to go all in, your intuition knows best. You know, I don't know best. Your intuition knows best. If your intuition is telling you to stay for now and try this out, then stay for now and try it out. I mean, it can be done. It's It's been done by many. Either way, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think it depends on your risk aversion. I think it depends on, you know, if you've done your data research on this. Like, I think there's a lot of aspects. I'm a pretty practical person, but I've become more... What's the word I want to say? I don't want to say woo-woo because <laughs> I think I think there can be like a negative connotation sometimes with that. But I've become more intuitive in this way that it's not all about, you know, of course the data is important. Of course, you know, the numbers need to make sense. Otherwise, you know, why would you start this type of business if you know it can't bring you the income you're looking to have? But I also think there's something to be said about trusting Trusting in yourself, believing in yourself, trusting in signs, trusting in, you know, whatever it is that you're you're doing to when you're when you're thinking about this intuitively. So I don't think there's a, a right or wrong path. I, like I said, did it for three years. It was, it was the right path for me to do that. And then eventually, you know, it wasn't. Uh, I forgot the second part of your question. Oh, okay. Once they decide which route is uh good for them. Yes. Yes. What would you suggest? You know, how would they start their journey? Yeah. I think no matter which route you choose, the consistency is really, really important because gosh, some days you're not going to feel like doing it, right? You're going to feel like, and it's not to say that you should never take a break. You should never kind of um, give yourself a day off or an hour off or whatever. That's not what I mean. Like you don't want to burn, like burn out, but 
I think the consistency is really, really important. So even if you can develop a routine every day of like every day I show up on social or every week I send a newsletter or every week I collaborate with one other person to get my voice heard in front of a new audience or whatever it is, you know, you just set these like consistent goals that you need to hit these milestones and then you, you keep going from there. Perfect. Now I'm going to get into about four rapid fire questions. Ooh, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So question number one, what is your favorite music or favorite song? Okay. I, <clears throat> I'm an eclectic music listener. I like all different kinds of music, but my all time favorite song since I'm a kid is Blind Melon, No Rain. Oh, good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that one too. Yeah. I mean, it's not my all time favorite, but wow. That, that brings me some uh, warm good jam. feelings. Yeah. It's a good jam. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah, favorite book. Hmm. I like so many of them. I'll say a couple if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, Brene Brown. Dare to say, one. dare to say something. I forgot what it was. Dare to say. Oh. Not dare to lead. No. Uh, oh. It was the it was the first one that I read. Gosh, what was her? I think it was her first book. Okay. Well, I like all her books, so anything by her is, is good in my book. Okay. Um, favorite podcast? Hmm. I can't answer that. I like a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, favorite vacation spot? Oof. Well, right now, I need a, an R&R &R vacation, like nobody's business. So I wouldn't mind just like lying on a beach somewhere. But uh, the favorite place that I've ever visited, I think, in my all of my travels was Thailand. I really, really loved Thailand. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It was a, such a beautiful mix of, you know, culture and beauty and just so many awesome things. So I, I loved that vacation and I hope one day to go back. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's exciting. So where can all my listeners and viewers find you online? Yes. So I am at the website mamaworkit.com, M-A-M-A, workit.com. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at the handle let mama work it. And um, you can find me on LinkedIn. And I also have a landing page for corporate partnerships, which is marissalonic.com. Fantastic. Awesome. I want to say thank you very much for uh, coming you. on the podcast. This was an amazing journey. And uh, I learned a lot from this as well. Yeah, same here. This was a fun conversation. Thank you so much for having me and appreciate you also welcoming my impromptu visitor during this call. <laughs> oh, that was that 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 made that put the icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again.